morning, everyone, and we are back again with another episode of Poetry Talks. And today, I have with me none but the other brilliant choreo poet, Safia Kamaria. Safia, you have won multiple national slams, championships, including the UK Hammer and Tom National Slam Championships and the BBC Edinburgh French Award, right? Indeed, yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Good, I'm not done reading your accomplishments. <laughs> you deserve it. In 2020, you were awarded the New Voice and Poetry Prize and was shortlisted for the Outspoken Page Poetry Prize and Creative Future Writers Award. Amazing. You were an Obsidian Foundation Fellow and Apples and Snake, Gerald Arts Poetry and Performing Recipient. You have the lola. Her notable commissions include writing for English Heritage, BBC Bite Size, and The Whalers. And The Whalers, that is correct. <laughs> the Whalers, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amongst all of those accomplishments, you are also a PhD student at the University of Leeds in London. Le- yes, so Leeds, so Leeds is actually a city in itself. So Leeds is north, so London is south, but Leeds is, yeah. Leeds is the city of Leeds in the UK. In the UK. But, but you know what? I love I love this because it gives us an opportunity to to say that you, every time someone asks you if you're if you're from uh, London, I think sometimes they mean England. You know, so that's that's which is hilarious. But I love it. But I love it. It's but that is it is all good. London gets all all the um, all the credit. But what about the rest of the UK? But you know what? Yeah. So so University of Leeds. Um, yeah, in in England. So I'm coming. So I'm a visit. I'm visiting. I'm visiting. visiting. Yeah. And uh, Sophia is you're a choreo poet, international poet, and I'm so happy to have you here all the way from the United Kingdom. Great. I know I just said a lot about you, but can you tell me a little bit more? Okay, so I think, um, I think uh, like importantly, like one of the most important things, and especially as I am at uh, a college, is that when I was so like even though you've had all of the um, accolades and you know achievements and awards many many years ago i was actually told that i would never be a writer i was told i would never be a writer i was told i was too stupid i was told i was um so despite so i have what is what is known as autism people people in a negativity right you know so being i am on the spectrum so being neurodiverse so i have um yeah so i'm i i had I am a neurodiverse um, poet as well, um, and and I and I also um, have uh, ADHD. You know, all the you know whatever they whatever they come up with. Me too. You have you have ADHD. I have ADHD too. Welcome. <laughs> well, yes. Like celebrate. Yeah, we should be celebrated. I think so. So this was way back when. Um, I mean, still there are there are a lot of challenges people have with trying to um, suss out how to. Um, to talk to people who are on the spectrum and and how to, and basically how to understand it because yeah. what we usually have is people defining people who do not even have um, these these unique abilities themselves, right? So what people don't understand, they tend to be they tend to alienate you, they tend to judge you um, prematurely. Yeah, absolutely prematurely. So what happened was when I was younger, um, I had I I was incredibly intelligent. I was incredibly intelligent, 
Um, however, you know, I, I had some issues with certain teachers. So I just, but yeah, I just wanted everybody to know that, um, I was, I was a student, you know, I worked, I'm a, I'm a black woman. Um, I worked incredibly hard. I, you know, I worked, I did the whole thing where I worked a hundred times harder, um, than everybody, but it shows. Thank you for all your influence. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So I, and for me, so the dancing, so being a choreo poet, the, um, the dancing, um, came earlier so I started dancing well I started dancing quite late at 14 um and I only started poetry uh a few a few years ago so we're talking like six six to seven years ago when I started poetry yeah uh and for me I saw poetry as choreography so that's why I decided to um to put the dance and the poetry together uh so that was that was a, that was an important moment because it's it's something that I hadn't necessarily seen before, although I knew it it is something that had been done. Yeah, and I just basically wanted to celebrate um, my unique abilities and my unique way of seeing the world. And so I would go up on stage and I would I would dance with my poetry. I would you know perform in a way that hadn't necessarily. Um, been seen in England uh, a lot and I basically wanted to put that into my into my work yeah into into my work. it's okay so we're having currently having some some issues with with microphones but it's okay because by the way um uh St. Francis College I'm going to tell um English radio stations to step up their game because I have been gifted with like an amazing breakfast and I've also been gifted with an amazing gift basket as well. So I just, I'm, I'm actually in awe and I'm super surprised. Thank you so much. I love it. It's, it's, it's absolutely lovely. Yes. So yes, as I was saying, um, the poetry, poetry and dance, um, came quite easily to me, uh, as somebody who is, who is on, on the spectrum and it was just my unique wonderful way of looking at the world so if this is my way of saying that if you are um somebody who sees things a little differently and you you know you don't quite get things the first time and you know you've been you know shut into a box I always say that especially as an interdisciplinary artist use your passion use what you have to and and uh, and use your passion to basically look through the world um through that lens so everything when i started seeing everything as choreography and everything could dance which was basically my my obsession the, everything became easier yeah you know my burdens became easier so yeah i as you said earlier you only started you started poetry late in yeah very late yeah for me too i started poetry my last semester in college um i was struggling so much with ADHD in college that I couldn't stay in classes for more than 30 minutes. Okay. I was just getting professors. Well, they were supportive enough, but it wasn't contributing to my um, education because I would lose a lot if every 30 minutes I'm walking out of the classroom. Um, and I couldn't really focus on one major. And when I learned about a creative thesis, where I get to work on my own and create my own poetry. I was like, yeah, I could do that. So then I decided to do a creative thesis, and that's when I fell in love with poetry. Mm -hmm. And I saw that 
as a way of, you know, um, helping me with my disability. So it's not, I don't like calling it an ability. I call it an ability, like a superpower. I, yeah, your super, it is your superpower. And absolutely. So even, so I'm listening to your story, like, you know, this whole thing about not focusing, not paying attention. I just want, you know, everyone to, to know that the science has been proved. You were not supposed to sit down for however many hours at a time. You're not supposed to do that. You have a body. You should be moving it. You are not just a head. If you were just a head, then by all means, just, just roll around with your head, right? Just roll about with your head. But you have arms, you have legs, and even and even if you do not, even if you have mobility issues, so this isn't. So I'm not just you know talking about you know if you, um, if you if you do have mobility issues, then you you are you are actually encouraged to move. Yeah. Right. So I you know and this is so when I'm teaching, so when I do my even poetry facilitation, I get my writers moving. I don't care if we're doing creative writing. I don't care if we're doing whatever. I get the moving because this is it actually helps to make the brain function better and you know and i think that um if we spent more time embracing others rather than shutting them out what more could we learn so what could we learn from um from people you know across the spectrum from people with various abilities like yeah. how do you learn and how could we implement that into our classes right so it and that is exactly what i did with with my poetry i said well you know what rather than fitting into a box Rather than doing what every other poet is doing, what works for me and how can I use this to make myself better? All of a sudden, the awards started coming. I started getting published and I was like, oh, look at that. Look at what happens when you, when you, when you use your superpower, when you trust yourself and you choose yourself. Look at what happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really love um, radio and the microphone and talking. So um, Jive was like, why don't you use that? Excellent. So here I am today, but uh, I just couldn't sit in the traditional classroom for three hours for a chemistry class. I couldn't do it. But with poetry, I'm able to do that, and I was able to graduate with Fantastic. Congrats. Well done, you. Congrats. Yeah, I'm just like, the hell with what the um, negative people are saying. So um, is this your first time? This is not my first time in, in New York, in New York, no, this is, this is actually, I've been many times before, so you just, you actually mentioned um, Jive, Jive, Jive Poetic is a fantastic um, figure in the community who, who was actually uh, at the early stages of my career. So when I was in England and I was still trying to figure out what sort of poet I was, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure even if I wanted to do poetry, I entered poetry by a dare, actually, it wasn't, it was a mis it was an incident. Well, no, not an incident, but it was just like it was like, oh, Safi, you should, you should, you song like you should do some poetry. And I was like, eh, maybe. And it, you know, it was a, it was a dare, and then all of a sudden it turned into a career. So that one moment changed my life, and so I came to to New York because I, I, I would see an England poets get up on stage and read the poem, and I thought, oh my gosh, like there needs, I, I don't know, I just I wanted to learn more about especially slam culture. Um, so I came to New York on my own. And I said, I'm going, I'm going to go to poetry gigs and I am going to, I'm going to learn the craft. Um, I'm going to learn, um, because you know, I, you know, doing so much reading, I'm saying, okay, all right, well, you know, looking, especially at the black arts movement, let me, let me go to New York. Um, and some of my favorite, favorite poets come from New York. So yeah, I go to New York and I met Jai Fouette at, at an event, um, the, the New Yorican Poet, Poets Cafe, the slam. Yeah. Yes. I've been many times and. I, the first time I went, I couldn't get in. And I think 
he saw the pain and the struggle on my face because I wanted to speak. And I think when you start poetry, it's because you have something in you that wants to say something, right? And and I and I didn't know. And it was at that moment when I realized how much poetry meant to me. And that was the day I decided to be a poet. That was the day I decided to be a poet when I actually couldn't speak. That was when I couldn't speak, when I had been denied. And, it, you know, I got there late, you know, and, 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 I, and I was like, Jack, please get out of uh, it was the first. I think it was one of the first times we met, um, and then and, you know, and I, after that, I um, I started, uh, uh, you know, performing more, and 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 Jive would help me get get me onto um, various platforms, and you know, and I and I started growing. I was learning. I learned from all of the the poets, and and Jive and Jive is an incredible poet. And I was like, oh, how do you do this? And then when I had, so I took everything I could with me. I went back to England. I won all the slams. And I and I said, okay, how do I now put this onto the page? How do I, how do I bring the physicality onto? And in your words, how do you make it appealing to the white? <laughs> See, I did not say that. That was said. That was That's said by Emery. That the academy and right for the people to study it. We are old white. I I always wonder how much I can say here. So, you know, I mean, I, it's okay. All right then. And it is Black History Month. So I feel like, do we, do you do, do we get extra passes during Black History Month to see? No. no? Okay. All right. Never mind. It's <laughs> like one of the perks with having uh, Black History in Black History Month. Yeah. The, the entire, we were just saying, weren't we? Like, so before the show started, we were just talking about Black History and, you know, and, you know, because people usually, okay, it's 400 years of Black History, but actually, no, Black History is since the beginning of time. Um, so how do you really fit that into the shortest month of the year? Anywhere. Okay. All right. Cool. That's a whole another topic. <laughs> that's another. That's another show. <laughs> right. Um, I watch your YouTube video, um, of okay. performing Cinderella. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was just amazed. <laughs> um, I am not comfortable on this stage, and that's why I'm here in this mic. Rachel, fantastic app. Rachel, fantastic What other ways can I get out there? But I saw you on that stage and I was like, wow, she's brave. I hope I hope I could do what you're doing, right? Um, so of course I've brought you the poem Cinderella, because I would love for you to give it a read so so you know I can I can read it through your lens. From my lens. Okay. And then we can discuss it. I mean, I can hear it, you know, from your voice and present and the present. No problem. Okay, so I actually have right. So I have my book with me, so I'm gonna read it straight from the yes, because the text is. And we gotta talk about that. Thank you, for sure. Okay, so uh, Cinderella, which is on page sixty-eight of Cane Corn and Gully, which I hope you will all purchase, so you will be able to read along. Purchase it yourself. Okay, <laughs> so this poem, um, Cinderella, is set in Muhammad Ali's left fist. This is the best night of my life. You are strangling my butt like wet spinach. <laughs> I love that line. Here we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't mind me. I promise I don't mind everyone's armpit stink or the pint lick in my leg. Already I am dreaming about feeding you grasshoppers and crop tops streaming movies which make 
don't make sense. I know. I'm thinking way too far beyond this encounter. By the entrance, people are merrymaking with what looks like pulled radiator crust. Every so often, the DJ is shouting at us to stay on our toes, but I would still like to learn your name and your favorite act. A magician once pulled a salt satchet from my ear. I refused to pay on the premise it was not a magic trick. It is too easy for people to draw results from our blood. The crowd is betting on whose concussion tastes better. In this joint, we are quick and burlesque. We don't mind bragging about what we can do and what might happen if we don't get to have a good time. I want this crushing to last past the bell. I want us grinding as though we are kneading every word into one long lament. I want the street cleaners to know exactly which mess is animal. Well, speak it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, of course, we are going to dive into it, you know, my favorite lines of the poem. For sure. Your inspirations behind it. Let's get into it, right? Um, so I read the poem for the first time, and I'm thinking it's about black love. Specifically, you know, West Indies love, because you from Barbados. And um, I'm thinking you're in a club. Mm-hmm. Are you? So we, yeah, so, okay, so basically the, like, so when I, um, so I guess I need to go a little background into the book. So you, so you all heard, um, that I'm, you know, Barbadian. So I'm, Bar- so British born Barbadian race. So you might hear, so those of you who are listening, my accent is not British. It is not Barbadian. It is actually what is known as a transatlantic accent. So it's literally in the middle of the ocean. So that is, so if like, like, where, like, there's a slight twang there. There's a slight yeah, so that is that is basically a mixture of the, that's what happens when you raise a child in two different countries. Uh, you know, in their early years, uh, their accent turns into what you are hearing now. Okay, so um, the book Cane Corn and Gully um, basically takes um, movements of enslaved people um, first um, written by um, by slave traders, overseers, colonialists, basically. Um, and what I did was I translated or I re- reinterpreted, I revived um, these dances and created poems from these dances and put the notation into, um, on in basically into into this book. It is the first book um, in history to feature dance notation of enslaved people, um, and. I wanted to to tell these stories, so I, you know, I went to Barbados. Well, I returned to Barbados. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm there very often, and I worked with the Barbados Museum and Historical Society, and and I tr- and I revived these dances, and I, you know, and I looked at various stories um, from you know numerous readings. Like the the amount of research was unbelievably difficult, you know, ridiculous. And so when we get to this story. So I don't, I, you know, I don't need to go um, to talk too deeply about the amount of trauma I faced with all of these readings. But this story in particular, when I did um, experience moments of love and family on the plantation, sometimes it was too, it was too unbearable. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the stories were, were a little, you know, they were, they were just unbearable. Um, they were horrific, um, heinous. 
um, you know, slavery was so much better than we thought it was. And it was very difficult for me to even leave my room to walk outside because knowing that I might actually see people, you know, who are descendants from the people who enslaved mine. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I, I don't, I can't, you know, sometimes people, you know, do you want to meet up? And I said, I can't leave my house right now. Wow. Because I don't like the fact that I've just read, so this story, Cinderella, about a man and woman who have fallen in love and they know that in a few days' time, members of the plantation will be sold, maybe their children, maybe themselves, and they will be, but they know that they will be split from each other. Wow. So, yeah. I was where you left. Yeah. I, I was at the club. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 but you weren't. But here's the thing. So you were actually right. So every single dance in this book. So, of course, the book the book is only, you know, it's only so many pages because otherwise it would have been about a thousand, right? Every single dance I chose, I had to make a decision about which dances I was choosing. Every single dance I chose are dances which can still be seen today. So this dance was seen in a club. So I went to, you know, an event. I went to various, you know, fets and everything. And I saw, you know, and I, there was there was a few couples, and and I've, and, I've, and I'm, I'm sure you know I have, I've you know performed this dance myself, you know, if that's by myself, but so to a, with a very lucky man, you know, this dance I've seen performed. So when I watched and you know revived the dance, you know, from the plantation, so it was originally set on the plantation. I've seen the exact same movements in the club. Like we continued, we continued. So this, so yeah, so I thought to myself, okay, if I do set this poem in the plantation. I, I, I'm not going to be able to perform it because I know the story behind it. Yeah. I know what happens next and I, and I don't think I can do that. So I put it in a place where there is a fight, where there is tension and where I know that no matter what happens, we get back up. And that to me, I thought Muhammad Ali's left fist. Wow. So I set the entire club scene in his fist. Genius. Thank you. Thank you. Every. Everyone understands the fight. It is a fight. And I can I can say, like, the story does have a... They do meet again, but let's just say that they fought. These these people at this plantation in Barbados, they thought they fought to make sure their love lasted. Yes. And, yeah. And it's I'm, yeah. I'm glad you say Barbados because here in the U.S., we only have... Uh, uh, we only teach our children about slavery here in the U.S. Exactly. And also happening. Absolutely. You know, I keep telling people the slave ship did not just stop in in America. It actually went it went to the West Indies. It went to Brazil. Hello. Of course. Brazil. Hello. It went to South America, please. It went to England. You know, England. Who who did America gain their independence from? You know, this whole thing about well England, you know, the English aren't as racist. Who invented racism? You know, England, the rest of the Europeans, are you crazy? Like I, I mean, come on. Let's let's not be ridiculous. Let's not erase do this constant thing where we erase, uh, you know, people from the from the conversation. You know, there are so many West Indians in America. Let's not forget that. And and I think there's this whole thing about okay, so the slave ship, you know, it went to America, and that was it. No, there was constant. I mean, Barbados itself was a port, so you would have many slave ships going to Barbados, and then the amount of so the reason why, and when you read the book, you'll see that there were, you know, a few references to Louisiana. Because from Barbados, we go to, you know, you have ships going from Barbados. I mean, we really could, should, could say the colonies of Barbados because there were so many slave ships going to Barbados, going to Bridgetown, 
and then going to America. So this, the the auctions would be held in Barbados. You know, they would send send more to Louisiana, and then and so and so forth, and then you know throughout the Americas. So so a lot of these dancers. So people are like, well, this isn't just Barbados. It's you know we've got Chicago represented. We got because I traced the dance, and the dances would go from Barbados, New Orleans. Chicago, we got you know New York. New York is mentioned in some places, but but it you know this whole thing about identity. If you are a descendant of a slave, you're 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 going to be related to somebody somewhere else. Yes, I mean you. I've I um I was I had a conversation with someone and and she told me that she sees slavery like this. Imagine a black mom from um a black mother from Africa, and she has five children, and. She's going through the little passage, right? And they sold one of her sons in America, another one in Trinidad and Barbados, one in Haiti, one in Brazil, right? So they sold all of her son, correct, on all these islands, right? So that's why we all related. So when people, when I see this division, um, you know, amongst the Caribbean, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Exactly. We're all brothers and sisters. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, I will, I, I say that with us, you know, across the Atlantic and, you know, from, so England, so England, of course, as well, we do need to, to talk more about connectivity. With that said, we are not all like you know the skin is not necessarily about skin tone they say oh, okay well all black people are the same absolutely no wow. very distinct no not absolutely not you know people say to me well you know there are how many other many miles between you know africa between you know the bar and, and, and the west indies and i say no there's hundreds of years there's hundreds of years that is that is the calculation it is not miles it is years you know and so i i think that we are and even then uh, when it comes to to america like we might be separated by by a few tens so it's it's just it's sad and hopefully it's stuff like it's it's poetry and various artistic mediums where we can um feel a sense of connectivity and see that we have more um things in common um than we do differences um, and you know, but with that said, I don't want to ever, you know, put everybody into one box because we have our nuances on every single island. So even though people say, well, oh, I love the Caribbean. I went to Jamaica. You don't love the Caribbean. You love that one part of Jamaica because even in Jamaica, they have, you know, a hundred different, different cultures literally on that one island. I, you know, I personally have seen 15 dance styles. So I do everything through dance as a, you know, as a social anthropologist, I do everything through dance. 15 dance styles from several other for several other islands in one little part of Jamaica and not even not even the densest part so you don't even so this thing about oh I can conjure up an idea of an entire people based on one little moment I saw a person is is not enough like oh I know the Caribbean because I, I met someone from Haiti that makes no sense um you know, so I, I, yeah, so this is, yeah, it's, it's, it is bizarre to me. We all, we all have our nuances. We have similarities. We have nuance, but, you know, importantly, we are beautiful, special, powerful, brave, and deserve the utmost reverence um, and respect, not just one month.
yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> it's it's not it's not enough people. So I I um often people will usually see um Haiti where I come from as like the first black nation to have blah 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 blah, but they never really talk about slavery. Okay, okay, wow, that it's it it was there too. Wow, that is hilarious. Not hel- well, it's hilarious, but also ridiculous at the same time. What? When I came here, right? Yeah. I went to school, high school. Yeah. And they only teach about slavery in America. Even me, for a couple of years, I forgot. Why that? That I had slave. That slavery was also in my country. Because wow. it's not. Oh, it's. They don't teach it here. They and they that they, surprises me yeah. and disgusts me. Absolutely. I mean, I I feel I'm I'm so. Uh, so sorry to hear that i mean when so one thing i will say so this barbados haitian connection that we have going about like barbadians will say you know they will say thank you if when they will say thank you for your service so i was in you know jamaica um with a haitian and you know we were talking about where we're from with a jamaican and the jamaican stopped and said you're from haiti thank you for your service wow. i kid you not wow thank you for your service and then, and then, and back is thank you for yourself. Because so, for those of you who, oh, who are kind of new to the history, there were three of the largest rebellions in the West Indies. It was Barbados, then Jamaica, and then Haiti. And of course, Haiti was was the most successful in ter- in in, yeah. in this in the terms of they, of course, uh, of the revolution. Um, and and sadly, we we know what what happened after yeah. they had to to pay. They're like they were, we're gonna make an example out of you. Yeah, right. So that for islands other black people on these islands don't mess with our money don't mess with our sugar cane right because that's that's all they thought we could do yeah and it saddens me that today um Haiti is one of the poorest of countries yeah it's sad but i don't like um i should be talking about it more you know but i'm saying more who is listening I you know I just I'm I'm so I you know it saddens me how much you know Haiti paid the price. Barbados only recently became a republic. We became a republic in 2021, and we yeah yeah we became finally. Um, but you know breaking that colonial mentality. I mean you can you can declare yourself a republic whenever you want, but what is freedom? I was talking to somebody about this recently, and they were saying, "Hear more." Okay, well, here we go. Here we're gonna go deep right now, and a lot of people might not like what I have to say, so I do tend to, I do tend to be quite divisive. But I, you know, I really, I don't care. So here we, <laughs> here we go. Um, all right, reparations. Let's let's get into it. Like I, I, you know, the whole point of reparations is that you. And you, you know, you receive reparations on the notion that you are free. But what does freedom look like? And I want to ask, what is freedom? And I, and you know, and I say, you know, when did freedom actually happen? Like, people be like, but we're free. You know, we, we want reparations. We deserve them. But if you are still living under an oppressive state, if you are still thinking with this, with white ideological thoughts, if you do not know what a society looks like without your captor in charge yeah or your ancestor's captor in charge are you truly free 
because if the society that you still want to build with those reparations look like a, 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 a police state governed dictatorship type where you're still excluding darks, the darkest in people from from you know various various things if that is still the society then why should you have reparations this is and i'm not saying i'm not against reparations i never said that but what i'm saying is if i give you a million pounds who what the heck are you going to do with that nothing that's literally that's all i'm saying so show me a plan show me what you would intend to do with all of this money don't just say yeah we we should all be given 164 billion pounds i know how much i know i get it don't get me wrong i get it i i know you know i know it's it's over it's actually over three trillion. So first of all, no one actually has the number right. No one has the number correct. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And and you know, and if we want to really talk about when slavery started, well, it wasn't when the first slave ship landed. So for example, if I go, if you go to a country, you go on holiday. Yeah. Do you just go, or do you book the ticket? Do you do the planning? Do you do whatever? Do you do? You gotta get the ticket. I. Slavery, in my opinion, I don't care what people say. Slavery did not start when the slip when the slave ship left. How long did slavery take? Do you know how long it takes to build a slave ship? What about when the Pope blessed the slave ship? That happened many years before the slave ship left the port. The Pope blessed the slave. How long does the slave ship take to build? How long did the negotiations take? Why are people speaking Portuguese and whatever? How long was that? How long was that negotiation taking? Slave. When did the slave? When did slavery actually start? Because in my opinion, from the moment someone said, I have an idea, that's when I, I would like you to start counting exactly. when we deserve reparations from. First of all. Secondly, what would you do with the reparations? What what would you what do you actually what does your society look like? Because if you are just going to maintain the society that has continued to oppress yourself, your family, your ancestors, please explain to me what the point of that is. Yeah. How are you gonna provide support for that? Just giving the money and then what? That and then what? And you know, and so I think that the that more thought. I'm I'm so sick of these conversations because I'm just I'm I'm constantly saying I don't want to hear about how you intend to get the money. I want you to tell me what you intend to do with it. Set the intention. Set the goals, and then we can have a conversation. Because so long as you are even thinking about negotiating with people who don't want to give their power and that's another issue if you had all the power in the world would you really want to give it up no i i'm telling you right now like with with this these platforms that i now have i ain't giving nothing up i barely have anything i'm not giving anything up <laughs> I barely, if someone said to me right now safia get down from your soapbox get down from all of your platforms everything you have achieved everything that you have uh-huh and and it wasn't even and it was worked for. It wasn't even stolen. I'm not giving it up. You would look at them like what? No. So I I don't get. I'm not sure what any. This is a whole conversation. But these themes are explored in the collection as well. And these are things. And I would and I want to tell you all listening. The enslaved people are thinking about this constantly. You have not been told everything in history. Your history, every history, has been browsed over. It has been. 
held up under under one you know generic umbrella you have not been told your history the enslaved people are constantly thinking about their freedom in a way that looked like what does our society look like you know what are the networks we are going to maintain with indigenous people indigenous people are never spoken about during never in in this trans state trade history but in this book we have references i have found references of indigenous people from barbados so i'm not sure who their direct descendants from are are in america but i have native people from Barbados so the indigenous people in Barbados dances from them I have found who are who are in various stages who are like just trickles in this collection so much is happening and that this is why this book was so important to me because when I started to revive my history from dance and dance is not just dance it's not just entertainment like the colonialists what it was it is prayer it is conversation it is you know it is so much it is ritual spiritual it's so therefore i was i started speaking to historians and i said this is speech so you mean to tell me that however many years you've been trying you've been talking about saving not one of you thought to look at the dance itself because and and you know and everyone's saying no one's ever done this before the dances and right it's it's the it's a way remember they were on the ship you know ship to they send them to many parts of the world it's a way of holding some of that culture absolutely right that absolutely they've been stripped of it absolutely teaching through the dance and absolutely being connected to the motherland it's about that absolutely absolutely they have no traces of those dancers and and history how can we not teach you teaching children about those dances in school it's exactly that is what happens when these dances are called entertainment only they are not just entertainment like something and it's it is one of those things that is kind of known in the back community but whether or not it has been articulated so much um so of course we have you know great um dance companies you know such as alvinette such as alvinette of course based yeah. in new york um, who are who are cons who are who have done such phenomenal work um, in terms of you know uh, reviving these dances and showing the the excellence of of our um, of our history through our movement, um, but in terms of deep um, deep studies on how we can actually you know talk about our history through dances and translating that into speech, that this work. Um, is still a new a new a new door um so i i feel that um on the one hand i'm very proud um to hopefully have um uh helped continue something but it just goes to show that there is so much more we need to learn so much so much more so when people constantly say well why do we need black history why do we need to keep learning about critical race thinking and because we don't know everything yet I mean, you know, we don't know everything yet. We don't know everything about our history. We don't know anything, you know, we, I mean, what the other day, you know, men are still trying to figure out what, what different parts of the female body are, you know, like I'm so, give a talk. No one knows anything. That is the point. There is always more to know. And I think that if we, I think more people need to be humble. And we need to go back to the beginning and say and be honest about the fact that we don't really know anything. There's so much more to be discovered, you know. The history of black people is not only about slavery in America. Correct. So much more. Correct. 
correct. Like you bring up, you have the dances in your book. And so many other parts. Absolutely. History. Absolutely. And are we not history? Like, so, you know, there hasn't, I mean, I want to know what happened happened in 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 brooklyn 10 years ago like we and this is and this is also part of the work so like if i'm saying that i want to study dances from from old all the way up to today it means that i'm also looking at the clubs i'm looking at what people are saying now like i would like us to understand that as we are going to be ancestors one day we need to archive the now yeah we need to archive all of the wonderful beautiful things that we are doing in our communities um, and we need to, to make sure that they are seen as important because they are important. They are. You know, not on, not just important when they are commercialized by white people. Yeah, when they, they fluff it up. Right. And then it's so, and then it becomes not as important. Exactly. You know, like I, it, it, it is important. Our fashions are important before they, until, you know, before, before they end up on the runway. Like I was at, um, Mugliers, uh, like the, um, the the exhibition in in Brooklyn Museum yesterday, it's fantastic you know exhibition like fantastic fantastic design absolutely exceptional, but then I see, I there was a woman, right, she was looking at like a like a like an Afrocentric out, outfit, and she said wow yeah those giant hoop earrings and that that necklace is so beautiful, and I said wow. If that was on a black woman walking down any street in Brooklyn, she would not be calling it beautiful. She would not. So that is why we just like I <laughs> like. And this is the thing. And this isn't to be disrespectful, like to you know to great fashion designers or whatever. Like I believe in appreciation. Or they would call it ghetto. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Hundred percent. They would call it ghetto. So I'm not. You know. And it's. And this is the thing. So, you know, we're not appreciated until we're stolen from, right? So I just, you know, I look at that and I think, and, and yeah, don't get me wrong. Don't, and this is the thing. Appreciate. You can take, hey, look, if I see something I like, like you take it, you run with it. I mean, usually everything I like a, a black person did first anyway. But if you, yeah. <laughs> Like it's not it's not about stealing. Like if you appreciate it, you say, okay, well, how can I use this fabric and this technique, you know, into into my own? But it's about showing appreciation and give paying some respect. But the fact that this woman walked into Brooklyn Museum, uh huh, and she said these big, she looked at, and there's this piece. So you know, definitely go. You know, I'm mean, I'm not trying to put I'm not trying to you know put a promotion out. But if you see now, probably if you see. Um, Muglia, um, um, the, you know, the exhibition night now, the, if you're into fashion and you see this, you know, you will see touches of Afrocentricity of, you know, there's even the sportswear section. And I'm like, I just saw somebody in Brooklyn wearing that. Like you just, you know, you see, you see all, you know, various, um, uh, moments throughout history and, you know, all of the, and of course you, you know, you have the, 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 the wonderful, um, black female models, you know, on, on various, in various displays. If you see it and you saw the way, and if you saw I saw, you saw the way this woman just started, she looked at this, you know, this Afrocentric outfit. And she was, it was almost like she'd seen an angel. I saw this woman in Flatbush. I just saw this woman. What do you mean this is beautiful? What do you mean this is astonishingly good? I saw her in Flatbush, but you never said anything. I know you never said anything. I just, 
I want this, I so wanted this woman to go to Flatbush, see what I saw, like, but the, you pass it, there was giant hoop earrings, it's beautiful, it's, so, it's, a, it's the gold, those black girls, if you hear this, it's the necklace where it's in like a sequence, so you have like several, it's like hoops, but along the neck, okay. so several hoops in one, right, you, yeah, right, so you know, you know exactly, thank you, thank you, it's right, like, it's right here. Thank you. It's on show at Brooklyn. It's it's got its own platform, okay? And it is the I saw the same. Not saying that it doesn't. It's not expensive. I'm just saying that the way this woman looked at the at the um at the at the outfit, I would love for her to go to Flatbush and look at our women walking down the street with hoop earrings. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, at the beauty supply. Thank you. Owned by the Chinese man. Okay. <laughs> I need to, like, listen, I need, I need, I need to show you some pictures, girl. Like, I just, that's, first, it, that's white towel right there. It's, it's crazy to me. And they were cost, and, the, and you know, and obviously, of course, these, you know, these looks are like, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds. And, you know, I mean, okay, give me a few sequins and crystals or whatever. You know, and, and, and Charlotte, you know, I'm, I'm happy that, don't get me wrong, I love to see what we do on the big stage. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying that the way other people look at it and all of a sudden it's high fashion, that's what gets me. So if you do that, but, and so if it was the case where the woman is treated better, where black women are treated better, like the pioneers of fashion, Absolutely, 100%. It should be the pioneers of fashion. Do you know I need that word? Right. Pioneer. Pioneers of fashion. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if there was, if the right, if credit was being given where it was due, I, you know, I'm all for it. But it's just, look, if you saw the look on her face, like she has never seen it before. <laughs> I just saw it down the street, woman. Oh, so it's not high fashion on the street. Like, that's, that, that's what I mean. That's, that's what got me. That's what got me. Yeah. I, 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 I can feel your frustration. <laughs> Black women are frustrated. I, I, I can see your frustration. And it's funny that you bring this idea of reparation in England and had a question about, um, all the museum in England, right? And they have, oh, 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 oh. So when I go back to England and I go back to customs, I'm going to be sent in for, to, for talking too much about, about what, what's happening in England now. Oh, I'm going to be, oh shoot. No, it's, it's cool. It's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm ready on the radar. Oh shoot. That's it. That's your older, um, African. Yep. True artifact. Yep. Yeah. Part of the reparation on yep. those back to Africa. Okay. So I heard they gave back 10. <laughs> I heard they gave back, they gave back 10 pieces of something to somebody banning something or the other i heard they gave back then um <laughs> so i'm sorry i'm sorry but i to be fair th this is why i love jewel identity because this is where i say i am a bayesian i have nothing to do why well, don't of course uh and that oh that's the story okay i'm gonna tell you that story in a bit but yeah um i okay so here's the thing and and i would like to i know you went to to, to england by the way but i i i mean i'm pretty now, here's the thing. Every single museum has stolen. So Brooklyn Museum is not, is not, you know, out of this conversation as well. I mean, I done saw the whole of Egypt 
in your in in the damn basement. Like I saw the whole of Egypt. I was like, what? Yeah. Like what the freak? Like why? Why is it's there in America? Oh, did you see the Af the uh, Indian American? I did. Oh, just so all the Pepsi I and just uh, so every you know yeah so in England we have the same issues too um uh not not Native American we don't I, I haven't seen a lot of Native American um work on this display as of recently um because I do try and take a lot of um it, I think that that would have to be a traveling American um show yeah but in England so we would have we of course there is a bit of Egypt in England too um and and of course a bit of you know a bit of you know the entire continent of Africa in the uh in the uh, uh natural history museum. Um, you see, yeah, so the, that they would, I doubt, I mean, if you were to really have a museum of British, of Britishness, I mean, it is, it is a celebration of colonialism, right? It is. They are, they are the most successful colonizers, colonizers on the planet. Yeah. Um, and they, and they are presenting their wealth and their glory as, as, as the Commonwealth. It is a presentation of wealth. It's not, it's not to teach. It's a presentation of wealth. It is not an education or an education in how to conquer. Yes. So that is that is what it is. Um, and, you know, and, and the fact that you have to pay to go, to go see it, you know, and you can also and when you distribute so people distribute some artifacts um, if they want to. And, you know, you, you have to pay for certain things to be in a museum as well. I mean, it's 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 pretty horrific, but. I mean, there's no buts. It's just it is. It is what it is. Horrific. There is. It, it's unfortunate, um, and you know they will say, well, it's a chance for people to to see the world, you know, and to see different artifacts. But I mean, it it was. It's the point. The point is, is that if something's gifted and donated, that's something different, you know. If 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 various Native American communities, um, uh, various um, you know, people said, hey, you know, here here. We are, we are, we want the world to see this, like yeah. 100%. You know, if Benin said, um, Ghana, you know, Nigeria, um, yeah, Zimbabwe, if they, if they said, okay, we have various things here, we would like for you, we would like for English people, we would like for the world to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Done. If you could, fine. If you like, fine. Cool. If your ancestors went there and took them, that's, a, that's another story. That's another story. You know? I mean, poor India. I mean, the 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 crown, poor India, poor India. The the, the entire Indian, you know, the whole Indian population. Their jewelry is in is in the Tower of London. Of course, all your jewelry is in the Tower of London. Did you find it? It's on the it's on the king's head. It's like here. You, you don't know how to take care of this. You don't know how to take care of your own artifacts. We're gonna take care of it for you. That is that is a great point because I think you know someone I can't remember who it was I don't I'm not gonna say a name it's a name in my head but I'm I'm not sure who if it was him but one director um, of the British Museum did say where would they put it Oh my God it doesn't matter where I'm talking So about. where did you take it from Where you took it from This is it Where would they put it Where you took it from Yeah it's going right back there So so that that is you know and i i love the fact that um you know i love the fact that we we you know we still we hold on to things and you know in our own communities or we're, we're trying to but i also that's something i love about dancing um just just kind of just bringing it back but not necessarily but there's a reason why we are so innovative i believe our innovation 
within black communities is a form of survival because we know we're going to be stolen from. Yes. That's why we keep doing it. Thank you. That's why we have to keep making up new stuff. That's why we have to keep making up. And we had, exactly. We had to keep, you know, they have to keep making up new dances. They, you know, for history, boys had to keep making up new dances because someone will steal the dance. I mean, you even see it today. You see it? Literally. 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 TikTok. It's, it's more, you know, it's modern. It's historical. You know, people still. So we have to keep coming up with, with new things. Um, you know, new, new ways of speaking. Even our speech. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, there's, you know, African, I heard of what article, so African-Americans, it's called, um, um, Ebonics. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not proper, not proper English, but then you can hear it in Hollywood. Exactly. And an actress can win an award or can get an accolade for speaking like a black person. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. That's all we need to see about that. <laughs> I am loving this conversation. This is one of the best radio interviews ever. England, step up your game. Let me unleash myself on my salt box so you can have a better time. Thanks, exactly. Um, I want to go back to your poem, and I have a favorite line. Um, I find it interesting. Um, right, it's in the first stanza. Yes. Um, already, I am dreaming about feeding your grass hoppers in the crop top. Yes. So <laughs> the genius. <laughs> yeah, um I think there's a lot of surrealism in this collection. Um I always say the apple can eat the person in poetry if you are writing about hunger. It's about feelings. It's not necessarily about saying exactly what happened. So, you know, in poetry, you don't need to to, to write about every single thing. You know, you if you see someone walking down the street, just what is the feeling of them walking down the street? You know, what is you don't need to then write in your in your notebook the person was walking down the street. You can you can talk about how they um transformed into a leopard something, something, something. It, it could still have the same as long as it's about a journey. You can, that is the power of poetry. It really is. So for me, um, I wanted to, this line was about um, nurturing. Um, it was about, uh, so in, in Barbados, so it's, it's kind of, there's a, there's, it's, there's, you've got a lot of, so we call it, it's, it's called matrifocality, where you have women who are, who are dominant, but it's not necessarily a, a matriarchy. Okay. So you so you have this in, in Haiti too, where you have women who are kind of like you share the head of the household. Yeah. Who is in the, who is in the kitchen? Who is who is feeding the family? You know, and you we usually be a, a, a female elder. Yeah. 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 So feeding is a very you know it's an important um a sign of love. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So after your mama beat you up. <laughs> yeah. that that is it so we have so domesticity was was usually um the women's role in in Barbados especially during during the trade so we have a lot of moments of domesticity in the in the collection um but so she when she's saying that you know I'm feeding you grasshoppers it's it's with we're, we're thinking of um 
thing also i think i remember you like you talking like a field so we're, we're in a field so i'm still making a reference back to the plantation even though it's it is set in the fist yeah in muhammad ali's left fist but it we going back to a plantation where you might um find grasshoppers um but whatever is around in order to keep someone um close to where they are now so a crop top is a reference to just simply making it modern but also a reference to the past so i wanted to reference both at the same time crop and i'm, I'm seeing your word crop exactly so the crop the crop of the cane the sugar cane yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brilliancy. I Thank don't know. You, Thank you. You know what? I'm so. This is why I love great. Like everyone. Okay, I have to say everyone is a great reader. But people who read my work deeply, I'm so thankful for you because you know these are the moments that people people be like, it's just a crop top. But no, the crop sharecroppers. Like the absolutely, absolutely. This is the sugar cane. Hello. Thank you, my West Indian sister. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, my dear. Like, this is what I'm talking about. So that is basically what that line, that line is. And, um, and just a reference to the original story. Um, so in this collection, time happens differently. So because it's through the dance, when, when we dance in black communities, there is no black community who does not do this. So I will speak for us all. Yeah. We are referencing the past and the present. We are constantly, when we do our circular, especially the circular movements, time reverts back on itself. That is our dancing. So I had to make sure that because I'm talking about dance in this collection, I had to make sure that time moved differently in every single poem. So you will have in the collection, there's a poem where there was an enslaved person in a cage but there's also a girl eating chicken nuggets. Things will happen at the same time. And it's just to say that the past, because it's it's based on the dance. So the past is also happening at the same time as the present. So we're going back and forth. So in the spot in Bridgetown, in Barbados, where you see us, uh, the, the, I was trying to imagine this, the enslaved person hanging there. But right, in the cage, but then there's a, there's a girl and you know, and there's and there's um, there's a restaurant where the the fast foodish will call fat, and they're eating chicken nuggets. So I'm like, okay, it's happening at the same time, same exact time. Yeah. Wow. Well, well. I have chills, people. Whenever I go back to my history, I get chills. Yeah, sure. For sure. Thank you. I I had this um question, uh, before. Why grasshoppers? You could have chosen mosquitoes, any other animals, any other little insects, but why grasshoppers? Um, I, I honestly, when I was writing, I do, I do remember seeing a few grasshoppers. Uh, you know, they, there were a few in the field. So I went to the plantation that this was actually based in. Yeah, there were a few grasshoppers in the field. And, and I thought to myself, okay, well, crickets, crickets represent something else. It's with cricket swings, so I, I use I use cricket swings elsewhere in the book, and I thought, okay, well, what? Okay, well, maybe grasshoppers, and maybe like why not? I I think I think I was trying to be like you know kind of playful at the time, but honestly, there was actually there were grasshoppers there, and I did want to just reference this plantation, um, you know, yeah, and I didn't want to use a food that they were harvesting. 
Of course, they couldn't eat it. Yeah, they couldn't eat it. They couldn't eat this. And, and of course, we have we have soul food in America because, you know, they can eat the slave master's food, right? Yeah, so what was the only thing, you know, so grasshoppers, and I know, yeah, okay, well, I'm not saying that we eat grasshoppers today, but... but we never know, maybe they used Maybe they maybe they used to. I I don't know. I know that you know hunger. So I know I know that um you know of course there are some cultures where grasshoppers were eaten, but you know I'm not saying that they ate, you know literally at the time. But I'm also saying that okay, well, the woman obviously wants to feed um, their person, but yeah. You know, I just want to say something. Um, sometimes I know the African American would uh, woman, um, would feed the black men from her breast. Okay. Right. Whenever, um, absolutely. Whenever they were in a like a not a hunger, uh, they call them. They restricted them from yeah. having food. Yeah, who would feed her husband or men with her whole milk? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 about it's about scarcity. It's about making sure um, your your beloved survives. It is survival. It's an act of survival. And and you're right. You're absolutely right. I could have chosen um, the breast itself, but then of course, when I have language like strangling my butt, like wet spinach, you know those funny moments. It's it's almost I wanted to make sure it wasn't it wasn't taken as crude because the thing is is that sometimes things that we do are taken as crude and vulgar when actually they're beautiful. And I didn't want to destroy a moment of feeding someone through breast milk because that would have if I put that in that line it would have been taken the wrong way and I can't I can't do that to my who's that right it's it was it's absolutely breast milk that's a it's that's a sacred thing yeah so it had so I was like if I'm gonna go weird let me just go weird and let me leave that alone for another poem because we can't we can't disrespect such yeah. things you know yeah I percent um so going back to the poem against Cinderella what is your favorite line in this poem, um, I think, oh, I mean, I should say every line, right? Because I, I mean, I love, honestly, I, like every, I think every line took a good minute to write. Um, but the moment where I think I say it's too easy for people to draw results from our blood. So it was almost like a moment where I, I felt like I do a lot of metaphors, but I think I need to just say something. I think I need to just say to say what needs to be said. And of course, because it's set in Muhammad Ali's fist, I'm thinking about a fight. I'm thinking about like who shed the most blood, who looks the most torn up. And one thing when I was doing my research, I noticed that every time a historian wrote or, you know, and obviously like anytime there was something written about an enslaved person being beaten or whipped, that would be the end of their story. So I'm saying it's too easy for people to draw results from our blood when our blood has been shed. But actually, there's more to the story because that enslaved person got back up. There's more to the story because that enslaved person had somebody else because we are still here. They survived clearly because they had children. So stop ending the story when there is pain in our community. How about you continue the story until there is light? Because we are a people of light, not a people of darkness, right? And But people, you know, so there is... Yeah, we are people of light, not people of darkness. And that is another reason mentioned that the word black is not used in this book at all. There is no such thing as blackness in this book or the word black. Because, yeah, there were, if white, white, black is only black because white called it black. 
If you, yep. If black was asked for its name, it would have said, I'm beautiful. I'm damn fine. It, that's what it would have said. It wouldn't have said, I'm black. So the word black is not used in this book. Oh, you're speaking to me this morning. <laughs> you are speaking to my soul. And listen to this. I love this line also because I'm connecting it to today's society, especially at very casual society, cultural, what's happening with all young black. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your blood is. Yeah. Um, you cannot just draw conclusion mm-hmm. whenever their blood is spilled on the street. Right? It's not, it, it's not only about that. Yeah. Okay, you want to stop. It's, uh, we call it police brutality. I don't know if you've been famous for it in the news lately. Yep, yep, yep. All right, absolutely. And they got black children. Yep. And they only see it in that moment, but that's not the, the problem goes so much deeper than just the black kid being shot on the street. It goes way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that's shame on our government for not, yes, I said it, shame on our government. Yeah. Right? For not looking for solution for this to stop happening because I do have a three-year-old and I saw a sign somewhere that says um I cannot keep calm because because I have a black son absolutely it is it is um such a tumultuous time still and and I you know and you're not the first person who has mentioned um you know when they read that with this particular line the situation in America and you know, so I think about, you know, also the things that have happened in England. So, you know, England, this whole, so again, I'll go back to, you know, when I'm talking about how England is, is, is you know, uh, introduced as a country where racism doesn't really happen. So, no, uh, we have had people die in police, cust- police custody in England who are black. Um, we have uh, recently, there was an incident where uh, a young um, black girl uh, was uh, severely beaten by a gang of whites and people just stopped and looked at their phone, including teachers. Wow. Um, we have black girls who are being stripped naked by policemen in England. Yeah. Who are strip searched in England. We have, yeah. I never yeah. hear about this. this yeah. Is- yeah. We have, no, England is, is uh, like, I, I, look, there, there are, yeah, there were disgusting things that are happening, that are happening in England. I mean, it's, it's the, um, Racism is is institutional racism is rampant in England. Um, institutional racism, yeah. I'm and I'm not. And this is the thing. Like, no, I know people. Are good. I know anyone reading this, listening to this interview, wherever you are in the world. Um, to all the listeners, you're going to say, but this doesn't happen very often. I do not care if this happens once in a blue moon. It happened. I don't. If something happens to me. I want you to fight and talk about it until kingdom come. It is a person, a human being. One, I, I just, I'm not okay with this whole, you know, but it, but it, you know, it just happened to one person. So why did, you know, thousands, millions of you march for George Floyd? Because you're, this is the thing, like people say, but it doesn't happen that often in England, but you performed your act, your activism and it was a performance of activism. Yeah. It was a performance. Yeah. For, for for most people. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people, whatever. Yeah, I like it that was performance. It was a performance. Performance. You know, I like I mean, I have to I have to just be honest. Like I, I don't speak for everybody now, but this is how I feel. It hurts when I hear about 
you know, when I hear about um, the brutality that is inflicted upon anyone who looks like me, and I and I don't care that oh, this is a this is an isolate. It might have been a few isolate. No, it's not because then uh, police reports were done, and we found out that actually, you know, black girls are more likely to be treated like this by the police. So yes, black boys, we know they're more likely to be stopped and searched. Black girls are more likely to be stripped by the police. So I, so no, it's not an isolated incident. It's something that we are, we should show, you know, concern about constantly. And, and you know what? Black women are not protected. They're not protected in England. Um, they're not protected from microaggressions. They're not protected from loud. I don't believe microaggressions are, are micro. I think they're very loud. If you are experiencing it, it is loud. It is not minute. It is loud. It hurts. Um, and <laughs> I think that if I'm not. I'm not going to apologize for saying this. You don't have to. If only Sandra Bland died, there would be no marching. There wouldn't. I didn't hear. I'm. I don't know. Like I wasn't in America at the time of of the um of the of the of the marches. I wasn't here at the, at the time of the protests. But nothing hurt more than being in England. And knowing how much, because it was around the same time, because I would see, you know, you'll say their names, say their names. No one was saying the names of black women in England. I'm sorry, but it's, I was, I cried. And people didn't really understand the reason why I was crying. Right? Yes. Yeah. Black women are not, no, I, and I, and it's not to say, oh, but, but, but Safia, but we, we did a march of, I'm not saying, I'm not much for everybody. I'm not saying that I'm, I, it's not that I had a problem with the protests or I had a problem with the marches. I'm just saying that in England, black women can sometimes be ignored, treated like scum. I was this, I, I'm, I was, I was livid. I was livid. I could still see the hurt in your eye. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm still, I had it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to experience that. No, no black woman should have to experience that. And the, the thing I, I just realized now is not only in America, it's everywhere. Yeah, if you're experiencing in England, people are, black women in France are experiencing it too. For sure. It's everywhere. And um, I like that you bring up the idea of a performance when the, the, the um, marching of George Floyd. Yeah. Why people were like, okay, we march for George Floyd, everything is solved now. But hello, no, this is, and this is what I mean. What were the, I'm not saying some changes did not happen. Don't get me wrong. There were, there were a few. You're not saying that. Yep, there were a few initiatives that started. Um, you know, apolog apologetic initiatives, etc. But out here, yeah. But I mean, but it's never nothing would ever be enough unless there was an entire reformation of various systems and institutions. I just don't. I don't see how these these various you know companies you know various companies said, "I'm so sorry this happened." that going to do I'm, I'm not gonna sweat but what is that going to do that your your little apology yeah for the times that you have continually continuously ignored black people you have not you know like oh we're sorry we didn't hire enough black people this year in light of what has happened you, you haven't hired black people now you're still not hiring them yeah you know? and putting them in what positions it's not like you're making you're not it's not like you put them in oh you hired a few more cleaners You've oh, hired a few more you. you've hired a few more interns. You haven't mm -hmm. hired a few more anything else. Like what that it is it Executive. doesn't executives. It does this is a lifeless it's a lifeless apology. 
Um, there were too many lifeless apologies. Boohoo apologies, that's exactly what they are. And and I feel that if you are going to, um, you know, really be considerate about various communities, then why did none of these people bother to ask what was needed? They just said, here's what we're going to do. I, I just don't. I, I don't I, I don't know. It's it's there's a whole there's so much to break down, there's so much to go through, there's so many there's so many pains that, that happened from that and I think that for me I saw too much performativity. Um I saw a lot of disrespect, you know, I, I think it was disgusting the black squares on Instagram, I'm sorry, or Twitter, like, oh you've all changed your profile picture. Okay. I I thank that yeah I, like I, I get, like I get it. You're spreading awareness, but spreading awareness is the bare minimum. That is not the work. The amount of people who started calling themselves activists during the George Floyd protests sickened me. Activism is when you're doing, when you're going out into the street, when you're making changes, when you're giving free food to hungry children, when you're actually setting up community programs, when you're doing free education work, yeah. that is activism. Activism is seeing that young black girl on Flatbush with her hopes and her, you know, and her necklace telling her she's beautiful. That's activism. Not just a clear. Like, I just, I, I can't. I, I don't. I just, I don't, I, I'm not for it. I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna say, if you say you're gonna do something, then do it with your whole heart. Don't just yeah. do it with, you know. Halfway down. Yeah, that's why, and you know what? I don't call myself an activist because I don't think, I think activist is a very prestigious title. It is. I don't, so I don't do that because I don't believe I'm doing the work that my mother did, that people who came before me did. I don't. So I'm not gonna call, sit my sit here and call myself an activist. I'm just... You have to earn. It's something you have to earn. You don't call yourself, right, I'm a champion. No, you're not, you're not a champion. You what did you do? What have you done? So I don't use that word lightly. Having, being called an activist is a, is, it's something that should be revered. So no, I, I, I don't call yourself an activist if you haven't done anything. If you put something up on Twitter, you're not an activist. You're somebody who put something on Twitter. You couldn't have said it. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I, we've been talking for a long time, which I love and enjoy. But um, I want to know if you're working towards any right after um after King Calling Gully. So I am um if yeah, what am I doing after? So so why now? I am doing to be doing <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, well, I'm not, I'm not working on any board books at the moment because, um, the Cane and Calling Gully for obvious reasons took a lot out of me and I need to, uh, you know, and I, I, I want the book, I want the book to have a long life. So I'm going to give it, you know, when you, and, and I've, well, you're a mother, you know, you, 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 you give birth, do you just, all right, all right, done. No, you, you nourish, you care. Um, a great, great poet, Nick McCullough, um, actually told me this from, from Obsidian, who was the director and founder of Obsidian Foundation. You know, gave me gave me some advice and said, you know, this is this is you know your baby, nurture it, cherish it, you know, give it give it life. Like, don't just leave it and out in the world and go and work. No, yeah, I'll just you know. So I want to let people know about this work. I want to you know make sure I I I celebrate um, my people. Um, and as a PhD student, I'm also I'm actually extending the work in the book. So what I'm doing is I'm going to Barbados, and I'm going to. 
actually um, document and archive dances of Barbadian women today as much as possible. And that's going to be my PhD. So I'm going to continue the archival work and they need to be saved. So how do I do this? So I've got the, the few fragments I had, you know, from, from, you know, from colonizers, you know, writing a few notes here and there about, about people dancing. What if I just documented the now? What if I said, okay, what if we did this for real? And I use, and I use, um, I use Barbados as an example. And I said, let's, let's talk, let's take this seriously and let's use dance as archival because it is not just entertainment. And what would happen in a hundred years time when people see dance notation, poems, when people see, you know, people talking about their movements and how can we extend this throughout the Caribbean? Because the Caribbean is still very unknown, you know, as you said, it is America. It's it is constantly the focus is constantly on African American history. And by the way, even African American history isn't even done right. So oh. you know what? It's not. Thank you, sister. <laughs> it's not. Sorry, but I I've heard some of the things that go on in the classrooms, and you know yeah. what? Like you. I'm I'm sorry, but that's I mean even that is is complete. Like it's the if. Sometimes someone once gave me a, a a black history lesson, right? And they and they told me they were like, okay, what? Who did I? Who was this for? And I said, oh, that's the nursery. It was nursery, right? They said no. They said it was high school. I was like, no. That was a that's what you teach to children at nursery. That's like that's what when I have children. Well, hopefully I will someday. That is what I will be teaching them when they are three and four. I will not be, if I would be embarrassed if only at 15 did 15 year olds learn about what's about. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me, but like, I, I was, I was done. I was done. I was yeah, done. unfortunately, unfortunately, but uh, I do hope and believe that they're going to do uh, better. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. So, um, do you have any questions, comments for? I think you're, first of all, I think you're amazing, uh, for even letting me talk. Most people tell me to shut up after five minutes. I'm so serious. Like, oh my God. Like, I think like, oh no, Savvy, Savvy is talking again about history and colonialism and imperialism and the way in which we, we do things in this country. No, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for the love. Um, thank you for, um, the deep readings of of my poetry and you know and I just I want to yeah to just to just say that the work that you are doing um and is is you know to take someone's words and to really listen and to really think about what it is that they're saying we don't we don't listen to each other enough you know the work that you do is important you are teaching people how to communicate we don't know how to communicate there are too many egotistical people who think that talking like communication conversation is just about talking it's 80 percent listening and you really have you've listened you know you've engaged with my work you haven't you know reduced it to a black person talking about their identity because usually when a black poet speaks it's like okay it's an identity poem you know it's more than that is so thank you so much and you know and i want i want to know that actually i do have a question 
How have you found your poetry journey? My poetry journey? Yeah. Uh, no, nobody but has ever asked me about that. <laughs> okay. Was that? That's someone have asked me uh, about my poetry journey. Wow. It's been difficult. Difficult. A lot of ups and downs. Because um, when I first started my MFA, my master's in poetry, I really struggle with accepting me as a poet. Yeah. Because from my background, if you're not um, like the valued professions or in med- the medical field or the ed- education field, and uh, I told my family that I don't want to do that. I, I want to pursue um, a career in poetry. And unfortunately, they didn't understand, you know, what I wanted to do. So it was hard for me to come to church. So, and then uh, we have, uh, of course, we live in America. We have the employment issue, right? Um, as a poet, you can only get a couple of gigs. So, okay, financially, it wasn't the best. Um, it wasn't the best for me. You know, with having a son, uh, supporting my son, daycare, all of that. But what kept me in in this journey is uh, my uh, being able to speak my trauma, right? Wow. Being able to speak my traumas and hopefully connect with somebody and being heard, right? That, but because as a black woman, you're usually told you're too loud, you're too this, you're too that, usually dismissed. So I'm still here in this journey because I want to be heard. So as long as I have this mouth and those hands, I'm going to write and I'm going to speak my truth. Wow. So that has been the journey. Power to you. Wow. Power, power to you. I mean, I, I'm so... Like I'm humbled. I, every time I hear a, a journey like this, I'm so humbled because I think yeah, it's just it's such an important like I I I asked you to honor and remember these those moments. They were the moments that definitely you know kept me going. And I hear you. I I, I don't think there's any point unless you unless you really came from unless you really came from something. And then you already came from something. And then she already came from, as as you say in America. Unless she unless you already came from something, then basically, uh, you know, you there is there is a struggle that comes with that, and uh, you know, and I feel that, you know, that need to speak when people ask you the why's, it's that that need to speak kind of overrides everything. So I you know I completely understand that, and uh, you know, so I I could only say that you know the same thing with superpower find a way to to use it to your advantage in every single industry because poets can really be anywhere your poets are poetry is the hardest of the of english of the english um mediums it's oh, and when i say english that's in in terms of the written written medium so well, you the colonial language <laughs> the colonial language yeah so like you know so in terms of of um literature poetry is the hardest so if you can do poetry you can transfer that skill into so many areas. Yeah. There, it, you know, so I mean, so where am I going to? I'm going to what history and anthropology, social anthropology. You can, you can really do so much um, with creative writing. Um, so I, I power to you and I wish you the best of luck 
um on your journey thank you thank you so much that's why i'm still healed because i just need to i want to say like you said you were that uh the reading um um poets cafe i couldn't speak and it and it literally it broke my heart and and i and i didn't know i didn't know how much i i actually wanted to um I wanted to to go forward, but you know, thank the God of Israel. I I just I continued, and you know, and I found a way, and I and I pushed through it, and I, yeah, and and it went and it went well. Um, yeah, that's why I'm still. Oh my God, Sophia, I had a wonderful time chatting with you. We discussed your poems and the energy out of this. We discuss your inspirations, your hopes, and. I hope in discussing this um, inspiration here, um, we're able to inspire others, right? Inspire them to embrace themselves as Sumbira, embrace their culture, uh, embrace the heritage, right? That our ancestors had fought so hard to keep alive. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, sorry, I just had something come on. I just completely forgot, like, so when we were talking about like who people who are not cared about, you know, like the black trans community as well. Like I, I just need, I am so, I was meant to mention this, but I, and they can true. And like, and we were just talking about fashion, but the LGBTQ plus IA community regarding fashion, black people, like this is a, so I just, so I just wanted to give a shout out and literally just say, you know, for for people who do not conform, uh, so I say, you know, so you know, when I say ladies and gentlemen and those who do not do not, do not comply, um, you know, if you those who do not comply, like you know, party like not comply. do not comply, if you do not comply, if you if you really don't give a Scooby and you're just like, huh, well, <laughs> you can stay in your box. The not comply, non compliers, like in 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 the most loving way possible, you know, um, you know, again. Uh, something uh, recently did happen in England, and you know what? There was no, there was no protest. Yeah. So I just, I just want to say that, you know, that same what I see for black men, and this, I, I would love to see for the for every black. If you are breathing and you are black, you you deserve. I mean, you are a descendant, so therefore, you deserve you deserve support. And and for all the white people listening, I'm not saying you. But shut up. Yeah. What can you say? I'm like, like we how do you manage with different conversations here? Can I? I just don't. Like, yeah. I am not. This ain't that. Like, just shut up for a minute. All black people deserve the protests and the flowers. So long as you are living, breathing, so especially if you are a descendant, there is a particular spiritual pain against your. Spirit against your entire being that you feel when you move through the world and it is those people who are constantly under this this you know have this horrendous you know um uh struggle against them and and i i'm sorry but i i just do not just fight for one person I I'll never like just one more story. Like there was this woman and this a white Thomas. Thank you. There just one more story. There was this there was a there was a white lady who um 
who you know and no i'm not saying all white ladies for goodness sake just this just this just another example this one karen this one and she talked about you know at this event um about how much she she wants to support the movement um i was telling her i was actually telling her about an organization called like rt400 who is who is um a fantastic black black history organization who wants to um yeah who believes in august as freedom month um and not black history month but she decided to to go on a podium and speak about how much she loves black men i want you all to be aware of the fetishization of black men and where it comes from and the various fetishizations in the community there is Cain, Cain, Con and Gully, I speak about this and it has already offset a lot of people. This book is real. It is going to go there, but it is the truth. It comes from the dance. It's not me just going on my pedestal. It comes, I got the dances straight from the colonizers' mouths, straight from their journals. This is where I got the dances from. So don't come for me because this is the history. And guess what? Don't come for her. <laughs> don't come for go for you. Don't come for me. You can't. You can't come for me. Like you can't. Come, you can't do it. Like because the truth is the truth. You want to keep going on about truth, truth, truth. So yeah. So that is that is just what I have to say. Like the fetishization has been going on for so long. Um, it is addressed in this book. Every single thing. So even though it sounded like we were going off on tangents, every single thing is addressed in this book somewhere. I talk about it because. It was sp first spoken about in in the 1600s. You know, these conversations been happening, but, you know, whether you've been told that or not, I don't know America. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, listen, um, <laughs> I think we're going to be great buddies. <laughs> we are. We're sure. We connect on so many levels. But um, I thank you so much, Sophia, the career poet, for being here with me. Um, I thank you for your book that it's a time and effort to write. I think I hope you our listeners, you stay inspired. I hope you stay in the spirit of love and no matter what life throws at you, um, know that with love you can make it to the other side because love conquers all. Love will always win. This has been Poetry Talk brought to you by FCC Radio and I am the beat poet.